Support for Best of Belfast comes from listeners just like me who love Northern Ireland and believe we have a better story to tell. A massive thanks to all of you listening who have already joined the Producers Club, especially our Titanic producers, Barclays Eagle Labs, Ulster University, Young Enterprise Northern Ireland, Gavin Wall, Peter Dixon, and of course, the Orma Baths team. Today's episode wouldn't exist without you. To find out more about how you can support independent ad-free media, get invitations to live podcasts, and submit questions to our guests, please visit bestofbelfast.org. Thanks so much, and really hope you enjoy today's show. Well, I remember sitting in a classroom, I think it was P4 in Armagh, at Christian Brothers in Armagh, on a Friday afternoon, looking out the open door in a maths class. Uh, on a beautiful bright summer's afternoon or close to summer and thinking I should be in Cushendall <laughs> doing something with boats uh, so that was that was an early memory for me that's amazing and um, I don't know how how much of this is urban legend passed on by your daughters but uh, one of them said that you you didn't end up finishing school all the way you dropped out and you bought a book on boat building how accurate is that well that's that's very accurate because um my mother had a house in Cushendall, so every summer <clears throat> and every long weekend we were in Cushendall. So we grew up at the top of a slipway. And I remember my mother complained, it was the days before dry suits or wet suits, <laughs> and her complaining that I, I had seven changes of clothes in one day because we would have jumped in in wet clothes. Yeah. So um, we moved down here at the height of the Troubles. Uh, I went into Garantar, leaving St. Pat's in Armagh, and did my O-levels. Uh, again, every spare minute we were in a boat, we were either fishing lobsters or, or doing something <laughs> like that. And we decided that we would um, put a charter boat on the, on the water to bring people out fishing. So myself and a friend um, who was a joiner, uh, Pat McCollum, God rest him, went to Bangor to look at a wooden boat. And we were disgusted at the condition of it was clean rotten. And <laughs> the guy who was driving the car, a cousin of mine, said, well, like, guys, why don't, you, why don't you just build a boat or buy it and fix it? Because Pat, you're a joiner, and Tom, you've got access to the machinery, and so that was basically how we started. My na- an aunt rented us a shed in the centre of the town, and that's that's how we started. Unbelievable. Unf- unfortunately, Pat passed away, and that's where the story of the book comes. Because then I had the opportunity of either going back to school to get further education or trying to build a boat. So mm. I bought a book, John Leather, a, a clinker boat building. I remember. And <laughs> Amazing, even though it, that's <laughs> great. <I remember> <laughs> And basically, myself and a few of my friends, uh, and we got at it, and we, we made a boat, and that's how it started. Class. So this is the kind of the random context for a lot of people that Connor, you were kind of born into. What's uh, any first memories from you? Yeah, well, funny enough, um, <laughs> a bit like that. There, school was never a not strong point. I I done well in school, but I just it was never for me. Um, and probably one of my first memories. Um, was boat related and school related it was uh the weekend before i actually started primary school and um really was not looking forward to it at all and we ended up going away um in the boat to scotland for the weekend um, as just before the school holidays start <laughs> uh trying to run away actually and, um, <laughs> yeah i just remember being in scotland the weekend before i started school coming home didn't want to be home because school was starting and uh just remember actually dad taking me up to the first day of primary one and hated every moment of it didn't want to stay there just wanted to get out and uh yeah that's probably my one of my first memories so it was uh, yeah mental so uh if you've just jumped in and you you know you've just tuned in you may be thinking what the heck is going on what is that sound in the background why is there two voices instead of usually one and uh that's because we are this is actually this is the first podcast ever i mean you're probably not surprised first podcast i've ever done on a boat (laughs) i'm guessing it's probably your first podcast you've ever done on a boat yeah yeah, exactly um but yeah we're here today with tom and connor mclaughlin these guys are the the brains and the hands behind Red Bay Boats. Uh, we're up in Cushendall here on the sea. The weather has just kind of picked up rightly there. And um, these guys are very, very, very interesting. The company itself is over 40 years old. Tom there, you were just showing me before recording, you've got this class book of kind of the history of the company and all these boats. It's class to have like a, a portfolio stuff to look back on. And it's funny, every wee picture, you had a different story to it. And it, it I could even see it just triggering memories in you. Yeah. 
Well, we looked at we had a big uh, 40th celebration uh, three years ago, and I wanted to produce something for it. And we talked about writing script, but I think the photographs tell more, and mm. people discuss the photographs more. So, yeah, that was the idea behind the book, and Good. we had a fantastic party. And one thing about Red Bay, um, our customers become our friends. So we a big problem to see who we were going to invite with with the party and the boat club. And they came from Scotland and all over, commercial guys and the leisure guys, and we had a fantastic night. And we unveiled the book to quite a few people, and yeah, so just and they just talk memories. It's just it's, the book's full of the memories. So. It's class, amazing. Um, so Red Bay boats named after where we are. I take it, yeah, yeah. So the uh, the bay here is locally called Red Bay, and um, it gets the red from the the main stone in the area, which is uh, red sandstone, and. Um, well, actually, you probably have a better answer than that. I don't know how you then <laughs> named the company Red Bay Boats. Well, but uh, funny, just... I found old notes on it recently, and there was another name we were looking at, was Moyle Marine, which I thought was a nice name, but it was turned down for some reason. I think somebody had already registered it. But Red Bay, actually, um, it's a fantastic name. It's, mm. As Connor says, it's the area. Um, and everybody, anybody that's used to boating and they look at a chart, they know where Red Bay is. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's a very good name and it's, it's, it's a different name. It's um, amazing. So, a thousand boats later, these guys uh, collectively as a company, over a thousand boats, which is crazy, exported over 30 different countries. We were talking about some of the weird and wonderful places you've been to recently, Connor, and where your boats end up. And... Uh, Really, I don't know if this is a Father's Day special episode. I don't even know if, if it's going to go out in time, but uh, it's it's pretty good timing. I hopefully get it out for then. And uh, you know, if you're listening, I think this is going to be a really, really exciting chat about just again, like we're always interested in, just Northern Irish people who are maybe flying under the radar sometimes, but are doing unbelievable things uh, both locally and globally. So. Uh, yeah, I would say buckle up. Uh, I'm trying to think of a boat metaphor, but it's not really coming. So uh, <laughs> sit tight wherever you are, and uh, I really hope that you enjoy uh, this episode. Hi, I'm Tom McLaughlin. And I'm Connor McLaughlin. And you're listening to Best of Belfast. All right, folks, what's the crack? My name is Matthew Thompson, and welcome to Best of Belfast, the podcast that celebrates Northern Ireland and the incredible people in it. Our weekly, unfiltered conversations give you the opportunity to get to know and learn from some of the interesting people we call this place home. The show is brought to you from a recording studio in Ormo Baths, Barclays Eagle Labs, an old Victorian bathhouse built in 1888 that's now been transformed into a tech hub and a co-working space right here in the heart of the city centre. We're a crowdfunded show. We're supported by people who love Northern Ireland and believe we have a better story to tell. Listeners just like you who pledge as little as £5 a month to get behind-the-scenes access, invitations to live podcasts, and the chance to submit questions to our guests. To find out more, get in touch or check out our back catalogue of over 100 incredible interviews, please visit bestofbelfast.org. Okay, that's it for me for now. It's time to jump straight back into our conversation with this week's local legend. Really hope that you enjoy So, Connor, you were... One of the things I have written down here is that one of your claim to fames as such is uh, when you were 18, you, i got to say, boated, ribbed around Ireland uh, for the, the non-boat natives like myself. Um, what is a rib and what's the difference between a rib and a boat? And why on earth did you sail around Ireland? What was that all about? Yeah, well, so a rib is a rigid inflatable boat. Oh, it's, a, it's an acronym? Yes. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So it's... The ribs that we build um, are obviously fiberglass, um, fiberglass superstructure, and a foam or air collar around the outside. Um, and yeah, back in 2013, um, there was a a group started to organise a a rib challenge, um, circumnavigating the island of Ireland. Um, Suzuki, who'd be one of our suppliers of engines, and we've a good relationship with the guys. Um, were sponsoring the the event and approached us um, to see if we'd be interested in putting a boat forward to do the uh, to do the challenge. So along with Suzuki and a few other um, key suppliers, we 
put together a package and one of the conditions, terms and conditions were that I was going. <laughs> <laughs> so I managed to, uh, to hop on and, and uh, between myself and one of the guys from Suzuki we were we were in charge of the boat and we started in Kilmore Quay um, and headed north. Uh, the second night we actually ended up staying here in Red Bay um, the whole way around. I think there was about 25 boats started the challenge um, a few dropped out along the way and as we get round the west coast the weather started to change a sure. little bit and you're getting the full force of the Atlantic a few times and the fleet pulled into Dingle uh, one of the overnight stops in Dingle and the weather forecast came in and the next morning we got up and it was just a miserable, miserable <laughs> day and we sort of thought a lot of the guys were saying no, we're not, we're not moving today and we sort of thought right, well we're sitting here I actually phoned Dad and he said well if you're not doing anything, you may as well go out and see what it's like. And, you and don't what, like were it. you like looking on the radar? Oh, well, you know? No, but I knew they were sensible enough. The guys they would go out and yeah. look at it. It was too rough to come back, but yeah. uh, so they're out and had a look at it. So, yeah, no, so we went out. Don't um, rule it out. Yeah, no. we thought, well, let's not waste the day. We'll go out, even have a bit of fun. So yeah. we went out and we looked at it, and it was rough. And we decided to uh, to push on. Um, we then got round the corner and headed towards Baltimore and it was the best day of the whole trip really got round the corner and <laughs> um, some was splitting their rocks we pulled into Baltimore for lunch we ended up sitting in shorts and t-shirts um, and then we come back on round the following day then back into Kilmore Key so it wasn't a race but we were the only boat that finished the challenge <laughs> in the given time period um, we'll, we'll, count it, we'll count that as a race yeah, we'll 100% race. <laughs> you're like and it's not uh, a race but I came first yeah for me it was a uh, I'd just turned 18 um, and it was a brilliant experience um, one that can actually beat Dad Sam because he's never been around Ireland oh, in a boat before. I've, I've been on every Scottish <laughs> island probably <laughs> a dozen times but I've never been around Ireland so, and uh, it's something that is definitely um, I must do it that can be, I'll be your uh, your 70th birthday uh, present to yourself sure in a I'll, few years I'll be the teacher for once <laughs> but I, just you're talking about memories I remember Connor's 6th birthday and we were asked to go to Campbelltown <coughs> to work with the Navy SEALs. So Connor got a day off school. And the Navy SEALs um, were working out of Macrahanish, which was a base over and then in Mullifkintyre. And there's a big exercise plan. Basically, they were flying in on two Nimrod, two Nimrods. They were going to um, shoot two 10-metre ribs out of the back of these Nimrods. They come down in parachutes. The crew would come down, they'd jump in the boats and away they would go. My goodness. And they asked us to go along. Uh, this was through our lifeboat contact. So we were, there were two trots of boats heading down the lock, waiting for the Nimrods coming in. And we were leading up one and Cameltown lifeboat the other. And then it came over. The whole thing was going to be the, the ribs were put out of the back of the Hercules. And then half an hour later, the crews would come out. A word came across um, on the VHF that there was a fuel leak in one of the Hercules and that everything, they were going to shoot the boats out straight away with all the crew at once. <laughs> Shooting the boats out, like, just shoot them out, like. <laughs> well, that's basically, they open the back door, the parachutes come out, they pull the boats out, the skids come away, and everything parachutes down. Um, our original plan was to go in and, and lift the parachutes. And in the briefing, they said to me, now, we would like you to be travelling at about 10 knots is the speed, at, and that's it. And they end up, we're doing 30 knots getting in underneath these Nimrods to pick up I, this guy with an injured collarbone and to get the shoots from the boats. <laughs> but even with that, from leaving the Hercules um, to doing 30 knots, it only took 15 minutes. So how would you translate knots to a, a non-seaman? Well, um, 25 miles an hour is 30 knots. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, but th so that was Connor's sixth birthday, and I have photographs of Connor with all these <laughs> Navy SEALs around him, which was, <laughs> and that was uh, 14 years ago. Yeah. Um, and it cost a million pounds back then. It was amazing. Crazy. Uh, it was quite impressive. You're sitting going along, you look up, and there's two boats coming down on top of you. Like, That's uh, class. So it was. A, I've been very, very fortunate in getting some lucky lucky uh, occasions like that there sure or uh, lucky encounters yeah, you would maybe you know, say um, talk to me about a, a day on the Scottish Isles and accidentally bumping into someone yeah well uh, <laughs> that was quite a few years ago actually I don't know what age it was but um, it was one Sunday and as a family we were all up in uh, a small island gear for uh, for the Sunday lunch and um, we had a few customers on the island um, and we decided that we'd we'd better go up and he's got a, a nice set of gardens with shore face and say hello to him and uh, unfortunately 
my two sisters, Bruno and Catherine, and my younger brother, Christy, uh, they decided that they weren't going to go for the walk, so they sat in the boat, myself, mum and dad, <laughs> uh, walked up, and we were told that uh, the customer was actually a way to pick somebody up. So we took a walk around the gardens, and about 10 or 15 minutes later, uh, the person that he was going to pick up uh, walked in through the gate of the garden, and it so happened to be the Queen of England. Uh, so. And she had her, uh, Princess Anne was with her, and her husband, and just one other bodyguard. So the Queen came walking up, and... She said hello, and we said hello. He said, oh, where are you from? And I said, oh, we're from Northern Ireland. We're over for lunch. So, <laughs> how did you get there? And I said, by boat. I build boats. And so, where are you from? I said, we're Red Bay or Cushendall. I said, do you know Rathlin Island? I said, I do. He said, would you know a Commander Campbell in Rathlin? I said, I do. I sold him a boat. Um, and Commander Campbell's wife was lady in waiting to the Queen. So, she chatted away. Princess Anne then said she'd been in Bally Castle. Um, six months prior to that and she had gone out to Rathlin in a rib with a canopy on it oh wow and Prince Anne has a boat in Scotland so she knew she knew the nautical terms and she'd be a very accomplished sailor and I said yes we had built that and then I said to the Queen um, where did you stay last night now she was in a boat called the Hebridean Princess this was after the Royal Yacht was decommissioned so she chartered this small cruise boat and she stayed in the island of Jura in a, a very secluded lock uh, West Lock Tarbot and I said, off Lord Astor's house. And she said, don't tell me. I said, yes, Lord Astor got a boat three weeks ago. <laughs> and Lord Astor's stepdaughter was married to David Cameron. Um, so, and to the Queen, it was just like talking to your granny. Wow. And I thought the nicest speak, and one of the islanders had said, had, had observed it and said, who's that talking to Tom? <laughs> I promised myself if she gets to 100 I'll write to her that's amazing class but she was great fun and as Connor said it was just, just chatting away and yeah. I suppose it, it's not everybody gets to meet her but totally so this place Gia right uh, is this the restaurant you were telling me about yes yeah, yeah. so I mean this is this is a crazy thing about number one being in Cushendall like you know we've all grown up and our grannies you know on a clear day say ah oh, you can see Scotland on a clear day <laughs> Scotland is Closer, what did you say, Tom? Closer, closer, yeah. The near, well, from here it's 16 miles to the Mulligan Tyrone, it's 18 miles to Ballymena. So, so you're like closer to Scotland than you are yeah. to flipping. And Ballymena. that's probably, you know, our boats are different because people are using them to go somewhere. It's not like if you buy a speedboat and you go around the bay or you maybe tow a skier. Yeah, all our customers are saying, Right, well, I'm going to Scotland or I've got work to do, and this is what they're mm-hmm. using it. And our location, although we're very remote here, our location is, is our success, and that's that's what it's all about. So and we have, if we take somebody who's never been before, mm-hmm. uh, like if we took you for, you'd be blown away. But you'd be blown away how easy it is. Wow! It is not difficult. Um, so, and once people, once we introduce people to that, and they say that the next weekend, well, we're going to we're going to Scotland, and you'll meet these guys. They'll be six months later, and they've been all around the Western Isles, <laughs> and then they want to they want to get bigger boats and want more uh, facilities in the boats, and that's our location. It works because of our location. Yeah. So start to break down some of these 30 different countries because this is one of my favorite things about doing this podcast is you know i think northern ireland it's it's that underdog sort of story it's oh, what's this boat business up in Cushendall? and you're like well actually check this out yeah you might test us here with naming all 30 <laughs> oh no 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 <laughs> you know they a lot of the other countries that we do send them to are for commercial applications so whether it be passenger car in fishery protection and um, things like that there so but Sort of all over Europe mainly. Um, we've got them in Norway, Sweden, and there's fisher protection in Bermuda, um, <laughs> anti drug and piracy in Seychelles, <laughs> there's St. Lena Fire and Rescue. Uh, St. Lena's a tiny island in the middle of the South Pacific. Like wow. You know, Are they trying to build an airport at the moment? Some of the places you <laughs> yeah. even have to think, how did how did you get a boat there? How is there the people there? You know, so well, and then there's. It's brought the customs. Yeah. But. These guys um, hear about it, it's mainly word of mouth, but they come over and they will stay and they book in and then we take them for a few Guinness, believe it or not. Nice one. And th- these guys get totally relaxed. We do it on a, on a personal one-to-one basis. You know, we work with the Port of London Authority. Well, if they have a problem with the boat, they can phone Paddy, who's wired the boat. Yeah. And it's it's so easy and it, it works. I think um, that's one of the biggest aspects of the business too. Like We are a family business and one of the things we value the most is the support that we offer our customers so you know we i get a phone call anytime saturday sunday doesn't matter and you always try and help the customer out you know you'll find times there on a sunday a customer will arrive into the bay here 
um, and sort of said, you know, sorry to bother you, but this is wrong. With the boat. And <laughs> we always, always, it could be the middle of the night, we always try and sort the customer out, especially if it's a commercial customer where it's their livelihood they're running to. We'll try and get the boat back up and running and, and, and keep them going. Yeah. And that that's not only here in Cushendall, but, you know, we'd always travel and help the customers out. I've been away a few times um, working on boats in different countries and that, so it's that's a big part of the business is yeah, it's supporting crazy. the customer. It's not just yeah. selling the product. It's, it's, yeah. right, it's, it's a network that we have with our customers, yeah. and, you know, we're fantastic um, twins, the Smith boys up in Oban, who... We went up at their. We were at their eight, their twenty first birthday party, and their father had bought them a boat. Uh, I was actually at the height of the foot and mouth, so it was quite a while ago, and we delivered the boat during the foot and mouth, and we mm. weren't allowed to shore, and we had to raft the boat up and push it in. But those guys um, loved the boat, grew up and built a business around the boat. They've now got four of our boats. Wow! And they've got facilities in Loch Fakin, which is just south of, of Open. But they, they've they've service facilities. So if we if you have a boat of ours and if you have it, say you need an engine service or something, or something else, we can those guys will come along and help you. And that's one thing yeah. we find about Red Bay and the West Coast. Scotland. If you've got a Red Bay, people will help you because we've been there before. We've met these guys. Probably had a drink with them. Maybe pull them out sometime. But if if you have a problem, we could lift a phone and phone anybody from here, basically to St Kilda, and yeah. we could get you sorted out. Yeah. And people love that. And you know some of the pontoons you go into. Uh, <laughs> Throws the particular Jura one with the ferries running, and with the ferries, one of our boats. If you were to go in an ordinary boat and we're up, you might get a wee bit of grief. But if it's a red bay, the guys, oh well, I'll tie you outside them or whatever. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of that. And, you know, Connor talked about it recently with a guy phoned, Connor was servicing the boat, and the guy gave him a tip. And Connor said, I don't want a tip for that. No, I said, I want you to give it. He says, Because I phoned you one Sunday morning at nine o'clock and you answered the phone. It was wow. a stupid thing. The guy had locked out his fob on his, on his boat. And yeah. But just. That got him a day's boat, and he thought, well, you know, that's why I bought it, because I know there's a backup there, and that, that's very important as well. Yeah, totally. I think what, like, really strikes me about what you guys do is, yeah, of course, you're in the boat business, but it's that, you know, that kind of cliche. You're really in the people business as well, and you, you yeah. describe your customers as friends, and, you know, it's not like you need to, to have a million different customers. You only need to have a few customers, so it is that kind of deep, not wide sort well, that's of kind it. of approach, and, isn't it? You know, we have customers, we have customers maybe in their seventh and eighth boat, Wow. So people have, have bought into the idea they're using the boat. Say, well, I'm going up to the next model because I'm doing this, blah blah. And then we will advise people. So somebody said, like for instance, I want to go to Barra. And we said, well, yeah, well, there's we should, there's where you should stay, there's where you should eat. And if you have a problem, we have a phone number and he phone and sort you out. So they, they're they're buying into that whole thing, and there's a big safety aspect to it as well. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. So if we are to go back, then um, you know, obviously the well. I was going to say the hardest part, but one of the hardest parts, because you know yourself having your own business is all hard. <laughs> uh, the hardest part is sometimes getting started. So what were some of those? How did you get your first few sales? How did you get your first few customers? How did you go from a, a rotten boat, like you said at the start, to this even incredible boat like this that we're yeah. sitting in? Well, the first boat we built, well, from the book, then we built a 13-foot clinker-built wooden boat. So that was large wood and copper nails. And it took us probably about six or eight months to, to put it together um, and then we borrowed an engine and sea trialed it and um, found out it worked it worked very well and luckily then a local guy Eddie O'Connor uh, people will know him of the coal and oil people in Belfast they have a summer house here so Eddie came along and bought the first boat so as soon as we sold it and then we started the next one straight away and then we got an order for a 16 foot and basically in those days we were trying to a low fiberglass was, was the up and coming product we were um, stolen the virtues of the wooden boat and we're trying to keep the wooden boat alive but in reality um, his days were numbered unfortunately yeah, yeah. we then um, moulded our own fiberglass boat based on our, our, our wooden clinker built boats uh, and we built 16, 19 and 21 foot in that and we got a lot of commercial orders for the 21s in fact we sent one up to the island of Easdale just again south of Oban and it's been carrying passengers that island there for the last 25 years and then People would see the boats and, and um, would order them and we'd modify them. If We then um, we took a probably a U-turn we went and built speedboats because, well, we were young at the time, we were doing a lot of skiing, so we thought we could build our own speedboats. They were hard to sell, um, but because we were competing against better-known names, and yeah. people in speedboats weren't really interested in the handle characteristics of the speedboat. They weren't interested in what it looked like, but our hull was that we didn't look 
top of the range, but it handled very well. Mm-hmm. So the obvious thing was to put tubes on and create the rib. And once we did that and discovered Scotland, we went to race uh, in 1993. Um, and that was the first time we'd really toured around Scotland. Some of these legs in the race were maybe 120 miles. But we, the next weekend I got back, I got all my brothers gathered up and Gary and, and all the guys. said, guys, we're going to go to Scotland here. Wow. And we jumped in the boat and went to Scotland. And that was really the start of it. Yeah. So it, it came from the racing. Yeah. And that was our first visit to Gia. Um, and then we, we, it just evolved from then. And then all our friends bought them. And like the guys used to, we used to two or three boats go up to the Kayleys and Gia. There was a Kayleys and Gia uh, every two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then Jura was an, another. Connor grew up in Jura virtually every weekend every other weekend <laughs> we were in Jura and, and then you get to know the local guys in Jura and the yeah. first time there's a guy Duncan Bewey God rest him he was the local coast guard come poacher come whatever but he had never seen ribs before and we arrived in two ribs and this guy stood away from the bar and then heard us talking and then come over and, and we could chat to him he thought we were bailiffs originally yeah. and became a really good friend of ours class so um races and events like that are they kind of like your version of like going to a conference and setting up a table and showing off what you can do yeah but the racing unfortunately is sort of taking a, a yeah it's too hard it's, to get insurance stuff like it's that. So not so much away. a thing anymore and um, boat shows are more the thing uh, yeah so every there's different boat shows and there's a couple of shows we tend not to do as many shows anymore or you probably don't have to now yeah well <laughs> the, all, main, the big shows are down normally in the south coast of England and we sort of reviewed it a couple of years ago by the time you send a couple of boats down and then send a couple of guys down to man the stand and, and we found that you were sort of talking to the same people every year yeah. and sometimes nothing really came from it we found that it was much better if somebody was interested just to get them here mm. show them the factory get them out on the boat yeah Again, as Dad said earlier, take them out for a few drinks, yeah. and we sell them, sell the experience. We're not just selling sure. them a boat, you know. So, we sort of find that the shows weren't best suited yeah. to our business. And, and yeah, yeah, we go from there. Something that I love though, and I think it's it's a stroke of genius. Whoever came up with that, uh, I don't know the name of it. You, you have an event. I think it's every year where you take a lot of yes. your customers yes. out. Yes. Uh, the event's yes. called Ardbeg, and um, Ardbeg is a, a whiskey distillery on the island of Isla. Um, and it's been running for well, I don't know how many years now, but fifteen or twenty. Sometimes the weather beats us, um, but no, we we set it up every year, um, an annual event, and we try and get as many of our customers mm. up as possible. And we uh, we leave here for our bag, take them over, and the distillery are again great friends of ours, and they set up lunch uh, and a couple of whiskey tours. Class. Everyone gets a wee sample of whiskey, gets their lunch, and then we uh, we head back, uh, stopping off in Rathlin Island, and then back into Red Bay that evening. And we normally get um, the local boat club here. We go in for a barbecue or a, a buffet. Yeah, it's brilliant. And uh, really, the the main aim of that event is again, it's getting people on the water, it's get yeah. people to you know, use their boats, confidence, building the confidence, and yeah. showing them that Isla and Scotland is so easy to do. Yeah. Um, well, I think the biggest day was 230 people for That's lunch. Amazing. Yeah, <laughs> for lunch. Uh, <laughs> 32 <laughs> boats. It was a, a logistic nightmare <laughs> for us uh, with the tractor and, and getting the boats in. There sure, there. yeah. But it's only red bears. You're not allowed to turn up in any other make. Yeah. It's just yeah. exclusively yeah. for red bears. But it's fantastic. And people like people will ask about it. All summer people are asking about mm. the dates. And what it does is you have a guy that's maybe new to it. He's got maybe a 6.1 or a 6.5. And he's, he's a wee bit concerned about doing the passing we say well, you, we'll, we'll group you up with other boats of the mm. same size and away you go yeah. our own boat Cardiff Rackham is always the lead boat and our we make the rules and nobody will you know nobody will overtake us and it's a big safety standard because mm-hmm. we're all sort of lifeboat or, orientated or working towards the lifeboat so everything is speed restricted and it has to be properly done and all our customers respect that um our, our suppliers then will sponsor um, the evening doing that, and it's a really good, really good corporate event. Yeah, and it actually uh, turned out our our own customers sell customers' boats because they, they you know they're sitting having lunch together and they're like, oh, you were driving that boat, what do you think of it? And they're like, oh, well, I moved <laughs> up from a six one to seven four, and I got this and blah yeah. blah. So it actually turns out, you know that. The aim of the event isn't to sell boats, but sure. naturally, yeah, customers get talking to but, customers. But that's what I think, like it's a genius move because everybody wins like it yeah. sounds like a class event like I'm sitting here I'm like I want to flip and go yeah, on this like it's, if it's people listening really are like how do I get you know out. it sounds amazing it's great you know I think 
as an outsider I look at the boat community and that's exactly what it is it is a community and yeah. it's, it's there seems to be that real close knit nature to it yeah. and what you guys are doing you're you're bringing people together you're facilitating that and uh, you know the byproduct of that is great because you know yourself word of mouth is it's the most powerful thing and because your boats are such a high quality uh, it sells itself so you just need you know the person to then make that connection it's so I suppose. good seeing our customers getting so much enjoyment yeah. out of a product that you've built and, yeah. and it's one of the, one of the real nice things like we had a, a 93 year old guy um, from Dublin with a wooden leg went over in a 6.1 <laughs> yeah. I remember that so I never know bother and he was sitting and his, his father or sorry his son came away so like it's starting to get a wee bit fresher would you take him take him back with you in the boat so we got him in the boat and he, he pressed a wee button on his knee and his leg folded down and he sat in the back of the boat but he had a fantastic time class and that's just right you kind of I think the youngest that day was about four and the oldest was 93 so Very plus good. our bags a lot of whiskey out of as well and so but it's a really good um, it's a good relationship that's good it's good um, something that I see happening a lot locally in the digital space so obviously I'm in a completely different world to you like you know look at these hands like these are these, these are laptop hands compared to the buckets you guys have right um, but I see a lot you know a lot of freelancers and I've been through this journey myself of you start off and you're just so hungry you'll, you'll take everything any job that's going nearly any price um, how have you guys had to change your pricing model based on the demand you know was there ever a point where you you felt like you then were taking too much on you had to say okay we're going to do less but we're going to put our prices up how did you kind of navigate all that because that's hard well i suppose uh, we're customer led and our boats are, are bespoke so they're they're hand built and they're the amount of modifications we do mm. well we used to shorten them like we had one guy in particular i uh, was interested in the seven four and he said you need to make it seven uh, because it'll not fit in my garage. And I said, look, that's a wee bit awkward. No, no, he said, if you make it seven. So we did it and he never put it in his garage. So yeah. if anybody now asks us to shorten on, we will say, well... Build a bigger we'll go, garage. Or no, go to BMW and say, like, that five series is lovely, but could you take a bit off the bit? So there are, we we draw the line at that, but certainly... Just jumping really, really quick. It's just, I had to get some ahead. How mm. long, roughly, does it take for a boat? I know it's it's oh. going to be different, but like a, a lower end and an upper yeah. end. Probably, it's probably 10 weeks for a small one and wow. up to, we just recently spent about six, six months, months building a 16 minute. Yeah. Okay. Uh, again, at all, there's so many yeah, yeah. different I know, it's how long is a piece of string, I'm sure. Exactly. But, okay. So you can't really put a timeline yeah, 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 on yeah. Yeah. So a boat as such. Back to that oh, to modify. Well, yeah, we do customise the boats um, and we will change things for you, absolutely. What, what used to be, people would come with their ideas on their navigation kit and their engines and all the rest. We now generally fit um, the same equipment as this board. We fit Garmin and we fit Yanmar mm. uh, inboards and Suzuki outboards. And the reason we do it because we know the work. Yeah. You know, we're not going to have a failure. But we used to get a lot of guys come, no, I want this and that. Mm-hmm. Or bring in their own stuff. We generally we don't do that now. We certainly will customise. Um, and we so like certainly on the commercial side, we have to do a lot of commer- uh, customisation to for different gantries and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. Um, that's all costed into it. Uh, a lot of obviously behind the scenes with Gary uh, Fife who r- r- runs the office side of it and he's a mechanical engineer brilliant and he looks after all that and cool. his um, customer skills are unbelievable you'll never annoy <laughs> Gary <laughs> <laughs> he's, awesome. uh, he's definitely a great great man to have in mm. the office but I think one of the other things to look at that was uh, we mainly only do work on our own boats so you know you get guys coming in with say Frank for example a wee speed boat with mm-hmm. an old uh, yeah. two stroke outboard we're not really interested in that yeah, sort of yeah, work we'd yeah. rather just look after our own customers our sure. own boats and that sort of works for us for other companies they have to do everything but we've uh, built a good relationship with the customers and we've a good sort of following now that we've loads of work just by doing our own stuff totally so no man it, works, it works tracks like it, it makes perfect sense yeah. plus plus we then we control the, the price and the second hand price mm-hmm. and um, our boats do not depreciate a lot. People want them because they have. I suppose you know we grew up testing them in the water, and we would go to rattling quite regularly in all sorts of conditions. And if we're driving one of our boats, and we're not happy the way, or we think we can improve the handling, we will do that. Mm-hmm. We'll come back and we'll change bits, and we've evolved our own design. And we thank God we've got a reputation now for a really. If you want a rough weather boat, the red bay is the boat to get. Yeah, um, and that's what people. Uh, 
that's people buy on the strength of that now, mm. and that's I suppose we've got a, a background of Iron Light, and we've been Lightbook Crew, Connor's Lightbook Crew, M Crew, and we're sort of used to bad weather as well, or sure, and that helps as well. Yeah. So I, we probably have five staff that are Iron Light crew members. So when the bleepers go, then we that's can not create everyone. But yeah, that, that's a, that's a strength as well. So and that's yeah. that's good. But on the other side, we do want to be towing in our own boats, so mm-hmm. it'd be embarrassing to do that. So <laughs> we have to make sure that the, that doesn't happen. But. Absolutely, yeah. So I mean, like it goes without saying, this is this is really a lifestyle business. This isn't not your nine to five, no. clocking in, clocking no, out. Not. <laughs> no, 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 it's it's just boats seven days a week 24 uh, 7 but hey it's a hobby gone mad and um it's it's great fun that we don't have to travel to work you know um i think it takes three seconds to get to work then <laughs> they go out the back door or the front door and that's an, and plus we have a lot of local skills now and, um you know we go back to the early days where you had a, a guy called joe mccollum worked we used to sell fishing tackle and bait and gary came in at, at the age of probably 12 or 13 and those guys are now have made a career out of it Joe's a naval architect Gary's now running Red Bay uh, with another guy Charles Stewart who bought one of our boats now lives here and he runs a power boating side of it too mm-hmm. all of a sudden Cushendall is the hub for all this so you can we can code the boats we build them Joe will code them Gary will design them and charge and teaches you how to drive them mm-hmm. so we've got you can buy the boat commercially and you can leave here fully endorsed and ready to go so that whereas if we didn't have that you'd have to be getting somebody from outside who doesn't even understand the boat so yeah. that, that attracts a lot of people as well yeah uh, Connor like so you kind of had a, an opportunity which I suppose you know 100 years ago would have been common practice of you were brought up in the craft you know you were brought yeah. up in the family business you were probably on a boat since you were born <laughs> I was talking to Kathy and uh, you know she, you probably were born on a boat but not quite <laughs> not quite born on a boat but so you know you, you had the chance to, to learn a craft from a young age and really really get into that that also presents kind of the other side of that is did you ever have any doubts about whether you wanted to go your own way or you wanted to go into the family business did you ever think no do you know i need to get out of cushion doll i need to you know go you know sow my own seeds and all that sort of stuff no well absolutely not no the uh i think the youngest was about three weeks when they first put me on a boat um, <laughs> so no from a young age i was uh, always on the boat um School, I wasn't that keen on it at the time. Um, so any chance that yeah, I well got, you took a, you took a boat to school. Yeah, any chance I got, I was uh, <laughs> getting out of school, boat related. I was I was mad keen for it, and I always remember in school, you know, some of the teachers would always be like, "Oh, you know, you need to apply for university, or you need to do this." And I'm like, "No, I'm going to end the family business, build yeah. boats." And they were like, "No, you know, you you need to have something else just in case it's not for you." And I'm like, "No, <laughs> I'm going into the business to build boats." So uh, yeah, left school. And um, went to Australia for six months just to get away and sort of see see a bit of the world. Uh, followed by America for three months, and since then I've been in been in the business full time. And I think going to university, not going to university, sorry, was uh, was a good decision for me. And I'm very grateful. Some of the guys in the workshop are they've been there a long time. You know, mm. like Sir Paddy McCambridge's been there for what 30, thirty odd years, uh, and I'm learning on the job and from the likes of Paddy and, and the other guys in the workshop you know learning off them and now I've got to the stage where I've got a lot of skills built up and uh, sort of do a bit of everything yeah. and uh, sort of learning off the guys and trying to just bring that skill forward into the next great. generation totally so, uh, yeah. I remember one day we were doing a test on a boat uh, an open boat it was quite rough and Connor didn't want to go to school so his <laughs> mother um with one of the rib magazines over a friend of ours who's a, a rib expert, a, a rib specialist. So Kathy had to write on the sick note that Connor uh, wasn't well and he was going to see the rib the, the rib <laughs> consultant today, the rib specialist. She didn't tell a lie. But, uh, oh, yeah. And I think uh, towards the end of secondary school, the teachers were all starting to catch on. Yeah. If yeah. I wasn't there, they had, sure. a, they had a right idea where I was. Like so, yeah. And I even always remember mum giving off like, Two or three weeks before GCSEs and that, I'd be away in the boat for a day. And she, you should be in school, you should be studying. But um, always, just any chance I got, I was away. It's cool. Uh, he's now from from his work. He's now actually ended up travelling the world. So he's been he's been in Svalbard a couple of times. He's you've been. He was in Japan recently. Um, 
Suzuki, the outboard people, took them over to the factory in Japan. So, so again, like very grateful for the opportunities that come up um, from the boat, from the boat side of it, and um, again learning off the guys in the workshop, and I've now built up skill base and, and and the different qualities and that there, and as a result of that, some customers to take the boats further afield that can't take them back here for service and repairs or whatnot, we would go and do work for them and uh, so recently I've been in a, an island 500 miles north of mainland Norway it's amazing uh, called Svalbard um, and it's actually become a, a very big market for us we've sent six boats there now um, and they're all based for carrying passengers wildlife trips and stuff like that so I've now been on the island twice uh, flown up and uh, it's it's quite a remote place and um, there is an airport on it obviously and um We've, again, built a good relationship with the guys that have bought the boats up there. When They came over to take delivery of one boat, and again, we took them up to the island of Gia for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> that was sort of the, the test period of the boat for them. And then, yeah. um, So, again, I'm good friends with them guys. we talking to them regularly on the phone. And, um, again, I th- something about that, you get to see different places. In sure, the world. yeah. And thankfully, yeah. I got finished up work early one day and the guys took me out in the boat we went down around one of the fjords. Like, so some Class. of the opportunities that you get to see is epic, man. It's just yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, it's very north there, like, isn't it? It's, you're exactly, well, Svalbard is halfway between main, mainland Norway and the North Pole. So, Mental. You know, there's, you're, you're pretty remote. It's also very cold. Yeah, yeah I bet, yeah. yeah. You okay. go there uh, wintertime, it's northern light territory, yeah. like. One of the, uh, Funny, it's a funny story from one of the challenges that I had the first time I was in Norway working, and um, was was working late at night and um, trying to get the job finished up. And what popped into my head was the guys talking about the polar bears. Mm-hmm. And this only came into my head about nine o'clock one night. I'm lying in the boat working away and pops under my head. Just what about the polar bears floating <laughs> about here? Like so, it's again, it's just one of them things that you. Such a such a unique experience. Sure, to, yeah. to get up in places like that. So Mental. you're off to Norway now in the next three weeks to deliver a boat. Um, yeah, so it's the, up to the, Bergen. So the amount of things that you get to do and, and see is, is cool. incredible. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, shifting gears a wee bit, then. What's it like to work, father son? <laughs> <laughs> I can't answer. <laughs> no, well, uh, can I phone a friend? <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think that's what. Australia was was a, a good thing for me to do because it obviously summer holidays and, and weekends and that I always worked in the factory at a young age um, and I think getting away to Australia and working for six months for somebody else who wasn't family was a, was a great learning curve for me um, I think now it, it's where it's good working relationship um, I don't really see any issues um, and I say we just we we've enough the, the factory's big enough we've enough stuff to be at and we just get on with our day to day job and, and get the get the stuff done but yeah yeah well from our, my point of view I know somebody to totally rely on and um, you know if I need a, a job done or now he's saying he's coming on with his skills and uh, the fit out and he knows all the boats and he knows the customers mm-hmm. that's the important thing and, the, and he knows the geography of Scotland which uh, is very important as well. So no, there's no issues whatsoever. It's good. Um, but we, we all, you know, work and socialise together. Anyway, and you say a lot of the staff are in the, the lifeboat, and they've been the boat club, and um, mm. we'd be, we could be in Rattling, we could be in Gear at the same time, and it, it just we just brought up, we just get on with it. And yeah. We don't we don't generally fall out. So it's, it's good. yeah, it's good. Um, another kind of. You know the the usual kind of nine to five sort of you know office job. It's uh, you hit sixty and you know sixty sixty five is time to retire. A lot of business owners <laughs> rarely ever retire. No, um, you know you don't have any no. any ideas of you know getting a boat when you're seventy and drifting off to Seychelles or something. No, absolutely not. No, I, I don't <laughs> visit. Well, I enjoy it. every day. I go to work. I enjoy it. So I have no intention of retiring. Um, no, definitely not. And in fact, we're just probably going to build a bigger boat now. With um, just. Our customer customers have pushed us to the new boat will be triple engine, so we're going to have one of those um, as a, a demonstrator as well. So no, this never never enters my head. To be quite honest, it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, probably a hard question, but uh, what's your the best boat you've ever been on? Well, it's obviously a red bay. You <laughs> get it in there. <laughs> we need to do a wee break for an ad here. It's just like this episode is sponsored by Red Bay Boats. <laughs> I don't think there's any such thing as a perfect boat. There's Better oh, boats handle different ways and sea, sea states, but 
again, there certainly is. a rib. You're not going to beat a rib. A rib. It has to be a rib. Yeah. Um, it depends on what you're doing. Okay. All right. Well, let me help. Let me like you know get a wee bit more specific then. Uh, then this is even harder. Uh, what is the boat you're most proud of? <laughs> that is hard. I think every boat that goes out the door, yeah. we're proud of, you know, because exactly. it's handmade, um, it's built by local guys, um, and every member of staff takes pride in any bit of work they do, and I think that's one of the most important things for us. You know, they they treat every boat they build or work on as their own as well. So uh, I think I think that's hard to know which one. Yeah, it's a bit of every boat, really. I think yeah. for me. Well, you know, the, the 6.1 or our smallest one was like, in the early days we went as far away as Barra. Wow. And that, and that was fantastic fun. Um, nowadays we're going out to St Kilda, which is 183 miles from here. Um, and we're probably 11, 11 metres are, are, are very, very punching up there above the weight. So, yeah, everything's different and everything's customised. And um, there's, no, there's no two boats the same, like, no. you know, everyone's different in some yeah. form. So. It's uh, yeah, it's brilliant. Um, so a couple of um kind of stock questions that we end the lollies interviews with. Um, some are a bit harder than others. Uh, first two are, are definitely the the hardest part of the interview. Um, probably for each of you to answer by yourselves. Okay. Uh, so the first one is, out of everything so far, what would you describe as your biggest challenge, and how? Were you able to overcome it, if you don't mind sharing? Um, biggest challenge. That's a hard one to answer. Oh, well, I suppose we, um, a few years ago we had a decision to make um, on whether we expand the business and build build the, the big shed that we've just built at Dominic's Cushion. <laughs> the big and shed, <laughs> by the way. I heard good crack from that. From, uh, Mum, really. Yeah, the, from Cathy. <laughs> yeah. Big shed, aka okay. well, the, the industrial uh, warehouse yeah. unit. <laughs> uh, but at least somebody said at least he built it in his own back garden. Well, that was probably a big decision for us because we had to, health and safety were pushing us because we used to do some very tricky enough stuff we used to do after hours with forklifts. And if we wanted to to build bigger and we only did it because our customers pushed us bigger we didn't yeah. sort of sit down when they said we're going to do this but um, we, we had to do it right so the decision was to go for the, the shed um, and it's there now so that, that was a big challenge and it was definitely the right decision and then if God forbid it all goes wrong in 15 or 20 years we can always take the shed back down again totally. but we certainly couldn't be doing what we're doing without the shed so that mm. was a big challenge for us Um um, probably biggest challenge for me personally was probably coming out of school and after doing a bit of travel and coming into the business and obviously in my head I was mad keen to learn as much as possible from the staff and mainly you know like the staff were my teachers as such and um, and that was probably one of the biggest challenge for me is getting the initial respect mm. from them so sometimes you feel as if they just see as the boss's son yeah he's got his job and totally he's just here whatever and um, and that's not what i wanted you know i was wanting to learn every single piece for for all the the installations and, and things that got there so that was getting the respect from the guys and um, to teach me really and see that i was mad keen and i was interested to learn and and um, and thankfully now we're at the, the stage where they're I'm up there with them totally. and also teaching not just learning Yeah. so uh, no that that was probably one of the biggest things for me is just getting getting over them first couple of months and showing that I was in it to, I mean in it's it hard to earn your stripes like if you yeah. especially if you were always the wee boy growing up and mucking around was, it's, how do you make that transition they, that's hard they, like. were also baby, they were also babysitters for, <laughs> for, exactly. for certain days if, if dad was away in the boat like I'd be left running around the shed and they were looking after me like, so, that's class you know I a lot of the staff they've known me since I was was a child. Like so, certainly some of them they seen me coming up through the ranks and seen that I was interested and I was willing to learn and you yeah. Know, and, and so that that helps too. Like, yeah. So. Uh, this is off off kind of piece here, off script a wee bit, a bit of a tangent, but just came into my head. What can you tell me about Cushion Doll? Like, what? How did it kind of come up? about like what was some of the early trade going on here was it a fishing oh, yeah. town was it a boat town well, what, do you even know what cushion doll means what is that 
at foot of the doll. It's, it's the name is the it's actually at the foot of the doll river and Bonandala ah. was the original um, name of it. Now I have cousins that be better versed in that. Historians <laughs> um, in the family. Cushendall uh, would be the the heart of the glens as such. There's a great community in, in Cushendall. Um, there's a lot of holiday makers come down to it, and we met a lot of our when we lived down in Dalryada way back in the seventies at the height of the troubles. Um, my uncle rented out flats. So you get different families coming down from Belfast. It was a great community born out of that. A very strong hurling team. Um, obviously living in, in places everybody knows everybody else, and they do yeah. look out for one another. Um, and our lo- lo- again, we talked about our location. Well, in the early days before the Coast Road was built, the the people used to row from Cushion Dun to Dunaverty Point in the end of the mill, which is only about 11, 12 miles across. So all the trading was done. And we have re-established that to a certain extent. Like even today, we had a customer in from Cameltown. Um, our sailing club here is twinned with Cameltown Sailing Club. Wow. It has been for 50 years. Oh, really? 50 years, the yachts have been over and sailing against them. So it's a very, very close Scottish link. Um, and... Couple, our customers today are, are amazing people with one guy unfortunately passed away but Murdoch McLeod a big house builder in mid Argyle and he would come over here um, and they would come in on his boat get his boat service I'd lend him the GP would go and they'd buy potatoes and they'd buy, all buy meat all the Scottish people would buy meat because the meat is better and cheaper here Wow, uh, and murder used to take home stone ornaments from the local guy out the road, <laughs> and he, he would bring this stuff forward and back. But regularly, now the Camelton guys have been for meat during the summer. They're in probably once a fortnight and they stock up on meat and stuff. Awesome. Again. So, been, so the training link has started again. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Uh, I like to think we're responsible for a lot of that. It's class, um, very cool. So, well, no, I knew I'd kick myself driving home if I didn't ask because uh, it's a lovely part of the country, lovely part of the world, and uh, it's well worth the trip up. What would you recommend people doing? Come to Cushendall for the day? <laughs> oh, well... Get on the boat, obviously. Yeah, well, Cushendall <laughs> yeah, is a, it's a small wee village. Uh, yeah. And there's, there's good know, restaurants in it. Well, when the restaurants are open, there's yeah. good restaurants. Good accommodation. Yeah, and they say... Well, we've got Fantastic the local boat scenery. club, which is, uh, which is good. But during the summer, they do local sailing courses and things like that. Unreal. So you can learn how to sail here in Cushendall. And it's just... Yeah, it's a big festival on. Again, it's not on this year because of... The, Covis, but generally um, for 10 days in, in August, a massive festival, bigger than the Lammas Fair, and they come from all over from that. Class. And there's just generally good fun, good community spirit. Um, yeah, and it's just a lovely place. And it's Brilliant. When the weather's like this, it's beautiful. Yeah, awesome. Um, kind of back on track then. How about your most successful moment? Well, for me, I thought it was when we went to race because. Uh, 93 we went back we went to, to this round Scotland race and we were totally new to this um, and I thought we were going t- to be outshone by all these other guys and their big fancy big uh, outboard powered ribs we had we had built a 6.1 um, Suzuki had loaned us a couple of engines on a, on a, on a return basis we borrowed a customer's engine a spare engine and Dan Daly in Belfast lent us a jeep and we went over to, to Scotland to, to race. Um, and I had said to the guys, look, this is a new boat. It's my first boat. Um, if it's rough for, if I think I'm going to break anything about then it's not going to happen. Mm. Um, now, the guys with us, and, and we'd come out of a, a C-class lifeboat, which is a flexible floor. So we were used to getting hammered in bad weather. And the weather was rough in Scotland, but the rib was superb. And we couldn't, all of a sudden, we were, we were, we're out on our own. We're in a comfort zone. And it turned out in the rough weather that these guys, we were beating the, even the Class A boats because wow. the guys didn't have experience. And then we realised that we, we had experience and said we came home from that. And I couldn't wait to tell people, I said, look, we need to go to Scotland. This place is brilliant. Let's get going. <laughs> and that was, that was a big, big moment for, for me. So that was 1993. Awesome. Um, uh, I think for me, any time you see a Red Bay, whether anywhere really, but... That's a very proud moment because, again, I go back from earlier, like, that was built by us in the small village of Cushendall by local people. But yeah. again, like, you know, I went up to the likes of the island in Svalbard there and you come off the plane after travelling for about 18 or 20 hours and you drive out to the harbour and you see six boats sitting there. <laughs> and uh, the, six, on. the six boats were built in Cushendall. Mm, like, yeah. you know, and, and I think that's a, a very proud moment when you see the wee product that was made in Cushendall yeah. by local people 
and uh, and you, you see them working yeah. in different parts of the world. I think is a is a it's special true. moment. And uh, you know, and I think that's it's probably something that uh, attracted me to you guys was, you know, we're all aware of the the big shipbuilding you know history off Northern Ireland, but uh, you know. I'll be honest, you know, people like myself, you know, you, you think it's all in the past, but it's amazing and to hear that, you know, even what you're saying, Tom, how uh, our boats are, uh, you know, they're punching, punching oh, yeah, above punching their weight. Above like. the weight and, uh, yeah, you and you're know, carrying that on, it's cool. Yeah, well, and it's, you know, it's, it's great fun and um, say the customers, are, we're customer driven and say they become great friends and with so many stories like Gay Byrne, God rest him, was a customer. And Gay had tracked us down somewhere along the way. Gay come up twice, and Kathy made him his lunch twice. And, um, <laughs> He's a, great, a lucky man. Was <laughs> um, there's a few people that get treated to lunch, <laughs> yeah. lunch in the kitchen while they're waiting on the boat getting finished. Like. So, yeah, and it's it's lovely, as Connor. But I, what I love to see is uh, the likes of the guys in Oban, um, Smith Boys. So they've they're now staying at home, and they've built a business around the boats. Mm. The Jura Ferry, a uh, scheduled ferry, is one of ours as well. So that's, that's helping the communities and um, it's a big part. Like people in small communities like Cushendall around the UK and and worldwide, they make a living off yeah. a product that we built. It's you crazy. Know, so you're isn't supporting it? you're supporting families yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And the, there is there's a crowd in Campbelltown, West Coast Motors, and most people they haven't advertised one. They run a scheduled service during the summer from Ballycastle, so the boat leaves. Uh, leaves Campbelltown, comes into Ballycastle and goes Ballycastle, Isla, Isla, Ballycastle and back to Campbelltown. So you can go to Isla and one of our boats for dinner. Most people don't know that. And it, that Isla connection has been very, very busy and that's something that particularly now is going to grow and grow. So going forward, I would see a lot more of that happening. But cool. you just need to advertise it a bit more. <laughs> uh, but you, you need to get to Scotland. And when you can go, if you wanted to go to Isla, for instance, on the conventional route, Lawrence and R, it's going to take you a day and a half. Yeah. Well, we can do it in an hour and 20 minutes. That's, that uh, is you wild. Know, you like, can see it? it from Ballycastle. And people, this is a massive market. So going for it. I mean, it took, to me, it took me an hour and a half to drive here oh, today. <laughs> yeah. You know, the time you time you're back in Belfast, we'll be almost into, into Isla. It's crazy. So I think now with the world, the way it's changing, and, and people are going to holiday a lot more probably locally or in Scotland and stuff like that. So there's an opportunity uh, for that. And we we'll see... What we will do going forward, we'll certainly promote more customer trips, mm. um, and then we'll put together um, information on the island. So, if you want to go to to, to Gia, for instance, we will say, right, if you go in and you show your um, your card, they'll say, well, you're part of the Red Bay team. You will get a reduction in the hotel, maybe a bottle of wine at your meal or nice. whatever, and there'll be some connection. We'll be recommending where to eat, where to stay, yeah. if you want to go and see something, what to do. And we see that going forward. And it's all about getting the customer to get out and use his boat and enjoy his boat and come back and tell us how much he enjoys his boat. <laughs> that's going forward. That's going gonna, gonna to happen a bit more. So. That's class. Um, I have two more for you. And uh, the first one is a, a bit lighter. But uh, if you take anyone from Northern Ireland out for, uh, we'll say, a, a couple of Guinness, saying as that seems to be a bit of a theme, uh, take them out for a few pints. Anyone dead or alive from Northern Ireland, who would you take them? And where would you take them? And why? Oh, we're probably taking most of the ones we wanted to <laughs> at this stage. Um, oh, but it'll be somebody down to earth and somebody. I don't know. I think. Uh, well, Sean Crummy, God rest him, was a great friend of mine from Folks of the Hill. Sean was. I miss Sean. He was great fun. And mm. we did a, a weekend with Sean and took him out in the boat. And he was so. I think he'd be my choice. Um, Where'd you take Sean? We'd probably go to Gia for lunch. Gia, yeah. I would imagine, yeah. This place? I mean, you're yeah, putting really, me in the yeah. mood for Gia. We're like, selling Gia very well here. Uh, what, like, what's your favourite uh, thing off the menu in this Gia joint? Oh, oh crab. Mine's langoustines. Really? <laughs> yeah. uh, is, it, is it a seafood restaurant? Does it have a name or is it just called it's The a, Wee Place in house. Gia? <laughs> the boat yeah. house. And it, it, it is right at the end of the pontoon and it's so remote Um and it's just just literally changed hands about six months ago. Too many people about yeah, the right. hidden gem. <laughs> but <laughs> and you know it's it's a, it's a case of if you if you build it, they will come, and you you'd be sitting in gear, and all the yachts will start arriving in about five o'clock wow. to moor up. But they're coming for the for the that's amazing the, the food, and say the ribs go over, and it's 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 beautiful. But then you go on up into the Isle of Muck, which is up above Tubbermore, which is. Ball, was famous for Balamori Muck Island is a fantastic place privately owned and that's beautiful cool. food as well but the whole west coast is, is fantastic seafood nice one um, 
Awesome. I think you're the, you're the first guest to ever recommend a Scottish restaurant, so fair play. <laughs> it, it's your back garden. No, it's your local. Yeah, <laughs> you, sure, you can hear see it there. Exactly. Yeah, well, no, we wouldn't spend too much time going out for food in Belfast. We'd just jump in the boat and go to Scotland. Yeah. Unreal. Connor, what about you? It's listen to a few of your podcasts and it's a question I've probably been thinking about for a while like but I, I, I don't think I could pinpoint anyone in particular I think just a lot of the customers you get you meet so many different characters so many you know, exciting characters and, and unfortunately I don't think our, our hard big trips going to happen this year with, with Covid and that going on but just any day out with all the customers and Seeing them use the product and yeah. friends, sorry, should I say? You yeah. Know, you, yeah. You meet so many, so many exciting people. So it's cool. Gonna go for a few people yeah. instead of a single. Awesome. Single uh, no, it's brilliant. It'd be, I'd love to love to see that trip go ahead. Well, you maybe have to jump on yeah, It'd be, it'd be a fantastic know. trip to do a podcast from. Meet, <laughs> meet all the different, just yeah, interview the true. different We guys, could do yeah. quick fire, quick fire, that, five yeah. minute interviews with everyone. Exactly. Come up with some wacky Line questions and you get some great answers. Plus, um, you're, plus you're going to a famous Scot- or Scottish yeah. distillery. Like it's, uh, you can't really turn that's, that offer down. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So we, we don't build boats, we build memories. That's, like, that's what we're known for now because... That's it works, and, um, and it's, it's a day is not wasted. A memory is made, so every day you go out there as a, as a memory. So it's there. You go. Uh, it works. Well, guys, um, this has been a, a great experience. I mean, I'm I'm absolutely chuffed to be on the boat and get out in the water and all as well. That was class. But um, the final uh, question, the one that we always kind of end on, is um, you know, if you could go back in time, if we could turn this boat into a time machine. And go back to an 18-year-old version of yourself. You had a few minutes of 18-year-old Tom's time, 18-year-old Connor's time. What oh. sort of things would you say to him? What advice would oh, you give him? Well, certainly for me, you know, every boat we went out on, um, we enjoyed we enjoyed the boat. We looked at we looked at the characteristics of the boat and thought about how we could improve it. If I was asked him if it would change anything, I don't think it would change anything, and mm. that's amazing. Um, probably would have toured the Scottish Islands a bit more I would certainly one of the things I want to do is do around Ireland but uh, <laughs> no just you know on every boat we just you take a say Connors you take a lot of pride and we just go out and just feel the motion of the boat and um, just keep doing it but I certainly when I started out all those years ago uh, building a wooden boat I sort of always a, dr- a dream of, of building a lot of boats and that, and having a sort of a, a shed full of, of boats and, and just yeah. and that it's happened and yeah. I'm a bit different I don't mind getting underneath with a grinder and grinding a boat or doing the dirty jobs I, I actually enjoy those I prefer those to be sitting in the office that's where, <laughs> Gar- where Gary takes over but I would if it's a grind job then I'm quite happy to go and grind yeah. it and um, I'd say sweep sweep the floor I had one customer when he spoke to my father he said when I when I first met Tom I thought it was the one that cleaned the toilet because <laughs> I'd been dirty jeans and that. And my father said, "Well, it actually does as well." And the guy thought this was very good, but it appeals to a lot of people as well. You yeah, it does. You don't yeah. need to be all dressed up as trying to put out some image that maybe is not all there. So true. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I'm. I'm going to use the pun. I'm on the same boat. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, I say, I enjoy going to work every day. Um, I really do. It's a Again, it's a bit like that. It's a hobby. It's a passion. It's not a job. Um, so yeah, there's not that much with change. Um, you know, even in my spare time, I'd either be going fishing or be going out in the boat or working on the boat or doing a repair. Or at the minute, we dad talked earlier about the speed boats. Um, and since I was no age, I always wanted. There's only a few, um, a few of each model built. I've always wanted to get my hands on them, and mm-hmm. eventually did. And I've just finished restoring the two of them like so again any spare time I'm I'm just working in the boat so I don't know if there's much a change really it's I've sort of got the best of both words I've got a job that I love and uh, also get a job that I love that I get to test the boats worldwide (laughs) and see different parts of the world and um, even with the weather like this you know you get out you finish work in the evening and stick the boat in the water and go out for a quick run and just clear the head and yeah you know, there's not. I don't think there's anything that would really change. It's, totally. uh, it's quite, quite a good, good place to live and a good place to work. Yeah. And you've got a triple army as well because you get to work with people you love too. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome. And and also it's it's the the people that work for us are are great friends. You know the yeah. staff, the staff are what make it. And even 
the rest of the family like everyone's everyone's interested everyone's keen in it and exactly yeah it's awesome that's an interesting part of it as well unreal well uh guys thank you very much for your time and for giving up your, your busy boat building schedule to sit down and chat and uh for for showing me the ropes as well i really really appreciate it not at all, and no I would like to formally invite you to the next Art Bay oh, trip. Oh, so yes, you're man, invited, come so on. <laughs> we'll be in touch. Thank you very much. Unreal. Cheers. Hi, guys. I'm Rob, and I'm from Queensland, and I'm a proud member of the Best of Belfast Producers Club. I listen to the podcast for a number of reasons. I love Belfast, Northern Ireland, and the country and the people in it. I have a connection with Northern Ireland as our family came to Australia in the 1800s from the beautiful county of Fermanagh. I love what's going on in Belfast, the entrepreneurs, the innovation, the technology and the spirit. My favourite podcast is definitely the Tim Brundle episode, although I do have many other favourites. I support the podcast financially because I believe that quality work deserves fair financial support. It's important that we continue to hear about the amazing people of Northern Ireland and what they are achieving. So if you've been sitting on the fence about joining the Producers Club and you would really miss Best of Belfast if it wasn't here, as I would, I highly recommend considering joining today. You can do so over at bestofbelfast.org and I look forward to seeing you in the WhatsApp group soon.